Hey everybody, and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, I I think this is a welcome back show. Uh, The first live recording since the photography show in Birmingham, which as we speak is two two and a half weeks ago something like that anyway so glad to be back uh, we've had a bit of a rest and pushed out just edited footage thanks john for doing all the editing uh and i think it was john that did all the editing anyway certainly he did the video which was awesome uh, i hope everybody enjoyed the video uh and we're back here now business resuming as per normal which means that i do have a co-host with me graham how are you I am feeling as good as I look, <laughs> which as you can testify, I know it's not great, but listen, that's why this is an audio only show. Um, but no, it's been I'm, a long week. It has been a long life. It's only Tuesday. So I know, I know. Um, but no, I'm very well, thank you, Aid. Very well, yes. And um, I'd like to say fully recovered from the photography show, but I don't know whether one is ever fully recovered from spending the day with Claire. But um, it I'll is get there. well, well it, yes, indeed. Um, is it? Um, was that your full annual quote? of social niceties that you went through on that, that weekend oh, I had to go to a family wedding the weekend after so I'm actually now I've done I've done next year's social niceties as well I am done with social for the next two years okay so you're just going to sit there in in the podcasting cave then are you for a while just mm, chill out. actually I can't because this weekend coming up I'm going up to have the joy of meeting uh, Constance I'm going up to see Rachel and Adam and oh, I'm going to wow. see Constance so. Um, very excited about that little baby. I Constance. didn't know that Constance was accepting visitors yet. That's good news. <laughs> that uh, is good news. Yes, I'm very excited about that. So, oh well, yeah. Hi, Rach. Hi, Constance. Miss you, Rach. We we'll hope, hope hope you hear this and and hope uh, hope to speak to you face to face or sort of face to face soon. Anyway, right. Enough about you, because mm-hmm. um, you've uh, you've actually lined up for us a superstar guest this week, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. And after the photography show, there was really only one person we could get on for the full photography show because this was the person when Is we he's spoke... the Minox guy he was great <laughs> I think he said I think he said everything he needed to say at the show <laughs> oh, okay he was great but no um when we were doing the interviews after the photography show, one name kept coming up over and over and over again. And uh, that name was Alexandra Heron. And it is an absolute delight to welcome her to the podcast this evening. Alex, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> hi. Oh, God, I always sound so awkward when I like say hi. All That's all right. We've been nailing awkward for the last five and a half years. Um, as I said, when we were chatting to people... I, at the photography show. Now, I kind of, I saw you when you were up there doing your talk, but we were very busy running around doing stuff, so I didn't have a chance to see what was going on with any of the talks. Um, but it was the recurring theme in all the conversations afterwards was either people had heard your talk and were really impressed by it and really moved by it, or people had wanted to see your talk and were gutted they were missed it. But so many people that we spoke to, it was a real highlight of their day. What led to you being at the photography show giving a talk in the first place? I honestly, I honestly have no idea. Like, <laughs> I like, I, I literally felt like, how on earth have I like this? Like the whole time I was there, I was like, like I, literally, I saw Rankin walk past me, and I was like, what on earth? I was like, Charlie Phillips was in the speaker lounge, and I was looking at my mum like, oh, we're gonna get kicked out. Like, <laughs> they've invited like the wrong person, but. Basically, um, Sophie Gill, one of the organisers, who is like literally one of the nicest people I've ever met, 
was so nice to give me that opportunity. And I think it was because Analog Wonderland have just started sponsoring the project, which is very sick. Um, and sh she had seen the um, article I'd done with them, with Emma, on the She Hearts film, uh, Analog Wonderland blog. And like she just emailed me and I, I don't know, like I can't thank her and Emma enough because like that's an opportunity that, like if you'd seen me when I was 16, there's absolutely no way that you, anyone would ever think, like I, I was, I wasn't naughty, but I was like always in trouble um, and I never spoke. So <laughs> like to think that I would actually be there is like crazy. And I don't know, I think it's the proudest I've ever been because I honestly never thought that that could be anything I would ever do. And I loved like every second of it. That was a big gig. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> I was just like, I can't, I can't believe it. But yeah, like my parents, as well I, I know my parents were like genuinely proud and i feel like they deserve to be proud because they've really put up with like a lot <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad entrance point although i'm sure there's gonna be much more in the future so we should probably give people a bit of background about you um you're 25 now 24 25 just we'll say 25 just because i actually only turned 25 a few days before the photography show so just so only just 25. Only just 25. Yeah. Um, you're a photographer. You have had your work published in Vogue Italia and was it Iconic? Yeah, um, Iconic Artist. That's like another Italian thing. So your work is out there and some beautiful photography you're doing as well. Some amazing portrait photography. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and another important part of the work that you're doing at the moment, your breadth project is you're autistic as well and that you're yeah. doing this project that is about other autistic people um yeah. you write on your blog that you were fairly uh late diagnosed you mm -hmm. was it 16 when you were diagnosed with autism yeah i was 16 um it was a for, for i've never actually met another like girl woman that's ever been through a norm like straightforward diagnosis ever um, so mine actually is a lot less late as, than many other women I've spoken to. But I basically was always in trouble at school, but always never trying to be naughty. I had basically no friends. And um, I was in CAMS, you know, the child and adolescent, the school referred me to them. Um, and they were kind of just always like, oh, you've got anxiety, depression, bipolar, all these other things. And it never just, it it never stuck. It was never like, this is me. It kind of felt like the anxiety and the, they called depression, but just generally being sad, kind of like felt like a secondary. It, it, it never really explained. It didn't feel like there was anything wrong with me. It felt like I just didn't understand what was going on around me. People just kept getting upset and I had no idea why. Uh, and yeah, so anyway, I was... I've been there for weeks and they put me on these medication that made me go a bit crazy. Uh, and she was just um, the child psychologist. She was like rubbing her, like she had this like long swishy skirt with very sensible shoes on. And she like was like uh, going like that. I can't, oh wait, I forgot it's a podcast. She's like, <laughs> I don't know, like feeling her skirt together, right. the material mm -hmm. together, yeah. pinching the material together on her sensible skirt. And I just remember like it was really hurting my teeth. It was like making my teeth really hurt in the same way that um, 
wearing ankle socks also makes my teeth hurt and like the the te- the socks that are like loose and like labels they give me to- like mouth ache and i just went please can you immediately stop doing that it's really making my teeth ache and she was like uh mm, has anyone ever mentioned that you might be autistic and i was like no and then then it went from there and my mum was like oh yeah actually yeah it's, it's funny because it feels like it, awareness on a broad level of autism seems to have grown. It's had a lot more airtime over the last 10, 15 years than it did in the preceding all of them. Um, yeah. Why is it that for girls in particular diagnosis seems to come so late on frequently why is it so hard for it to be picked out i mean this i've like been educated on this through this journey of the project too because i've met so many other autistic people who i've been able to speak about our experiences whereas before i hadn't so i've kind of learned a lot about myself and it seems to be that girls we have this thing called masking like autistic people generally because our brains are just wired differently as we grow older we tend to learn the things that maybe are innate in other people how to function in our society socially we kind of have to learn um so we are able to sort of mask our like autism by kind of learning these behaviors that allow us to fit in socially and girls seem to to generally do that more and i think i mean i don't want to go complete rad feminist in this podcast but i do think that a lot of the gender norms such as like quietness shyness um are like generally not as noticed in girls because they're more accepted and expected in girls so a lot of the things that you would pick out in boys like being very quiet and reserved and maybe like not playing with other children and stuff i think in girls it's less picked up because we live in a very patriarchal society (laughs) that's true that is very true so yeah um i don't know i was always i think people always thought gosh she's a bit odd but then (laughs) when i was 16 it kind of like made sense i mean when i was like a kid i only ever hung out with adults so like when I was, I was, I've always been really articulate. So when I was sort of three or all the way through primary school, I'd go and hang out with like the teachers at break time. And I think people just thought, oh gosh, she's this precocious, like very irritating, obnoxious child that's like hanging out with adults. But actually, uh, I don't know. I just didn't really get the whole playing children thing. That sounds really weird out of context. Don't no, no, no. It it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. But let's let's fast forward a little bit. So so you know uh, the 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 project that that you spoke about, as as Graham said, yeah, it's called Breadth. Um, what what led you to start thinking about what was the, the little you know nugget of an idea that that kicked that off? So, I mean, I guess when I was all through my life from when I was 16. I It was my biggest secret, being autistic. I never told anyone, ever. And I, like, I lived in fear of this, like, what if somebody finds out and then I'm like outed? Um, 
so I kind of went to uni and it was like this huge secret and then I eventually I think I told like a couple of my good friends at uni because it was the first time I'd actually really had had friends to be honest at uni um and I did sort of open up and was like and, and they just didn't care and I didn't expect that they were like all right and um so that was really cool and then after uni I finished my master's degree and I was applying for jobs and again I was like oh god like I'm not going to put on here that I'm autistic I hope nobody speaks to people I've been to uni with and finds out I'm autistic like I'm so worried that that jobs are going to find this out and then I just had this thought one day of like this is so bad why is it that and I know so many other autistic people that are the same they're so scared of people finding out they're autistic why is it like that I think that I'm that this is so bad about me that that this is going to stop me ever working this is going to stop me ever having any form of ever relationships with anyone like it shouldn't be this way and how can I make it better for the kids that are being diagnosed now and the only way I can do that is by telling my story because the only way we know we can do hard things is through stories and if I can tell my story and I can be that brave person and then that person can take my story and like weave it into their own story then then that's that's worth it for me so I thought I'm how can I do this and how can I like if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it properly like I'm not just gonna I'm if I'm gonna bother doing it if I'm gonna tell people then I'm gonna tell everyone so <laughs> I thought I'm gonna do it with photography because I'm that's how I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it big and I think you probably achieved that, actually. I have to say, I think you've achieved that. <laughs> I think, yeah, no, as you said earlier, I think it's just the beginning of the beginning of Massive. Um, why photography? Um, so I think portraits especially, I'm, I've not always been, I've always been quite articulate, but I've not been good at expressing emotion because I'm not good at always identifying emotion. I'm not always good at, social interaction but I'm good at seeing things um and I think that especially film photography it needed to be honest and it needed to be real and it needed to be authentic and I think actually if you can take a portrait of the way somebody's like head tilts or you know like if you see someone that you love you can tell that it's that person just but like even if it's if they're like the other way and they're walking away, you can tell by the way they walk or you can tell by the way somebody walks going up the stairs who it is. And I think sometimes in photography, you can actually capture those tiny things that make people who they are. Um, so I thought in photography, if I can really capture people's honest, authentic selves, not this thing we see on TV of these like altered, very digital characters, the real, true authentic people and allow people to really connect with that person and get to know that person then I think we're actually maybe building a wider view on what autism is by allowing everyone to get to know these subjects as they really are and unaltered how was it you came to be shooting um on film in the first place because I know that's that part of your story is also uh, integral to what you do and how you do (laughs) stuff So I kind of always liked photography because I I felt like uh, 
especially in I'm not good at expressing love like at all like my parents hug me and I just stand like still and say <laughs> get off like I hate it but I've always found that taking pictures of people has sort of been my way of expressing love because I'm able to take pictures of the people I love like I've done a lot with my grandparents um and take pictures of the thing about that person that I love like the way their eyes like glint and things like that like I, I've always loved that and my granddad um my dad's dad it, who's Scottish was Scottish he's died now um he was always a really big photographer not big like big hobby photographer he's really into photography and um he got really bad Alzheimer's um and towards the end of his illness like he you know like Alzheimer's um affects his short-term memory but a lot of the long-term memory is retained so he couldn't use his camera anymore because he couldn't use a digital camera because he'd forgotten how to do that and he couldn't remember how to do it so towards the end um he was actually in a home for like people with dementia um we dug out his old film cameras because um we thought that then he'd be able to use them so we gave him his om10 and he was like able to use it again because he had that long-term memory um so he was just able to like take pictures again and it was really nice to see him doing something that he that he loved and um when he died he left me his film camera collection and I really didn't want it to be an ornament because I knew this had been something that had given him like so much happiness right till the end um so I went on a course at this place called Hopewell Studios uh, near me where they do like all film printing and courses and stuff and um open I didn't even know how to open the camera but my tutor Ed opened the back of the camera and there was a film in there so I took it to be developed and it was all just pictures of like me my sister and my dad and stuff that he'd taken in like the last two weeks of his life and he'd he'd been the same as me he'd like taken pictures of the people that he loved and it was kind of like I don't know his last like I don't know that spoke to me more than words ever could like he'd taken the th pictures of the things that he loved and that's why I now take pictures of the things that I love because like that's what he did in that I don't know it just makes me feel connected to him as well um as well as so the breath project actually why don't you describe exactly what the breath <laughs> because we kind of talked about it but we haven't actually said what it is really so yeah. why don't you explain what it is and what you're doing with it so the breath project is basically I'm taking honest portraits of autistic people from all walks of life and telling their stories so it could be taking pictures of them in their job or with their family or doing something they love but it's honest it's not like these tv programs we see of autistic people kind of providing comedy entertainment um it's just showing people doing cool things because autistic people are actually just cool people like most of them some of some are not very nice same as normal people but like i don't mean normal nor neurotypical people um but yeah like it's just celebrating what we do. It's celebrating ourselves, our authentic selves, um, doing what we love and telling our story, our honest story. And I've not found um, a media platform that's done that yet. That's It's not for entertainment. It's not for anything other than just celebrating who we are and, and, and what we've achieved or what we like doing. How many people have you spoken to so far? Um, 
think 30, but I've not like posted all of them yet because I'm trying to keep a schedule. And also um, I like to speak to people for quite a long time before I post. Um, because a lot of people that I've actually photographed for the story, for the project, their stories, a lot of people don't actually know they're autistic. So a few people have actually used the project as like their coming out, kind of coming out as autistic. And a lot of their, like, their families don't even know. So some people I speak to for a long time because I'm never going to like out someone or post it um, until they're like 100, 100% ready for that. Because sometimes I'll take their portraits and then they'll think, actually, I, w I just want to wait a while because I just don't feel quite ready to share my story. So it it's completely guided. I, I would never, ever post unless I was they were absolutely like 100% ready for that. So, yeah, I don't necessarily post in chronological order. I just post when people are 100% comfortable with it. And how do you build up that? Because the pictures that you're taking, I mean, as we mentioned before, some of these have been picked up by Vogue Italia and shared because they are beautiful portraits. And we've spoken to people in the past about portrait photography. Photography? Photography. God, that word's hard. I really should have picked a different <laughs> hobby. <laughs> um, but uh, getting great portraits is all about that connection with the person in front of the camera. And obviously, one of the difficulties when you're on the autistic spectrum is that connection and so when you've got you have got that difficulty and the person that you're photographing with that difficulty how do you get to the point where you're able to get those moments um i think i mean i actually didn't think sorry my mum's cooking so you might have a fire alarm <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, sorry about that. Um, anyway, uh, I think we have like this shared experience and sometimes we don't talk, like the shoots take a long time. Uh, sometimes I'll just sit with somebody in silence for a while um, and, and just exist, um, which is quite nice actually. Um, and and I, I guess having film helps with that. I shoot on a RZ, um, and it's kind of all. Most people that aren't into film photography have have seen a camera like that. So I generally all start by like, "Whoa, have you seen this?" Like, hold it because it's really heavy as well. So like, to, and then they can like kind of look down the viewfinder and look at the ground glass. Like, n not many people have seen that. So I find that that's another reason actually why I shoot medium format is because I find it's a really good way of uh, forming that initial connection with somebody. Um, and then, I mean, this has been something I didn't really expect with the project, but I've never met somebody with autism yet, or autistic person, I should say, yet that has had a positive school experience, not one. Um, so I generally like sort of find that when you're taking portraits of somebody, it's kind of a power imbalance really because that person is giving you control over how the world perceives them and that's actually quite a big thing when you think about it and I think in order to do the project justice and in order to kind of honor the people you you have to level that playing field a little bit so I tend to do like a transactional trust type thing where 
if you're really asking someone to bear their soul to you, I feel like you have to give a part of yourself back to them. So I tend to tell my own story, um, positive and negative, so that when they're telling me their story, they've got that piece of me as well. And we're both existing in this vulnerable space. And I think that's why maybe the project wouldn't work if I was not, like if another photographer said they wanted to tell autistic people's stories and they weren't autistic, because I think you both have to be existing in this like vulnerable space to be able to both really show like your authentic self and, and bear your soul in that way. But at the same time, like I've had to actually limit um, the amount of shoots I do because I got to one point where I was doing like four or five a week. And when you're constantly telling your story of like horrific school experience, you're like constantly slicing over open old wounds all the time. And then you're also taking on other people's trauma as well. And it becomes sort of like, for me anyway, like too much to bear really and like all encompassing. And I ended up just sort of lying in a dark room and just couldn't function because I was just back in this place of like, awfulness and I was just back in that place of school and like loneliness and frightened and I think it it takes a lot um emotionally each shoot is is such a emotional experience and such a powerful connection with somebody I've had to limit it to to two a week because otherwise it it affects it affects me too much so the way that I connect with subjects is definitely through shared experience like and I don't think there's much more powerful than that really I mean uh, the the big drive for doing what you're doing with the breadth project is to show the breadth of what yeah. being on the autistic spectrum means because yeah as you've mentioned repeatedly there is this um idea of oh this is what autistic is you can go to tv yeah. and watch the big bang theory and go, oh that's what an autistic person looks like or the rain man or, or whatever it might be yeah. um whereas in reality just like neurotypical people there's a huge divergence of, of what it means to be autistic and, and how it affects individuals and how their life experience is um how how have you found it seeing that diversity of people as as you've gone on? Has it surprised you the different ways that it affects people? Um, honestly, like I've just I've been so honoured and proud to know so many amazing people that like are like me but not like me like how I, I couldn't believe that the thing I was trying to hide is the thing that should be celebrated because honestly the people I've met every single one of them have been some of the coolest people I like ever and their achievements in like a lot of them have faced so much adversity and you think like these people like I need to shout this like so loud because these people are so cool and no matter everybody's 
autism manifests differently and I don't really there's not much such thing as like very autistic and a bit autistic it there's just this color wheel of traits and everyone has their own constellation on that color wheel that forms their diagnosis and really when someone says like to me people say you must only be a bit autistic or you must be only mildly autistic that actually means that the world experiences me mildly it doesn't mean that it's mild to me so when I meet people I've I've just been the only thing that shocked me has been I can't believe the world is not celebrating these people because oh my gosh I've only just like scratched the surface and these are the coolest people ever and and then that's often the thing isn't it that people who's who present as being able to get by in society and that it it masks the fact that actually they might not be coping very well at all at certain times I, yeah. uh, the wedding that i was at last weekend i was chatting to the photographer there it's this wonderful woman she, taking fantastic pictures while she was there and we just got chatting because obviously i i had one of my film yeah. cameras with me and she i should go get my rolly out because she had a roller flex with them so we got chatting about that and it was great and she was super lovely and she was telling me oh i'm autistic and i was like oh wow i'm, I'm kind of amazed that you're doing this it's really noisy and and she said yeah i won't be able to do anything for the rest of this week this this will be it i will need a week now to recover from this yeah um because just because you know getting along in that doesn't mean <laughs> it's everything's okay and um yeah it, it can be very deceptive to i think that's a huge thing for me i think uh i've learned through my life to present myself in um the most acceptable way possible in social situations but like my mum has always said if people saw me when i was at home i think they'd have a very different view on on me I think I struggle a lot more than maybe I let on and I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily struggle but I do um at home I think when I'm not playing I don't know I, don't, I feel like I'm not playing a role but when I'm sort of really myself I think I struggle a lot more than maybe what people think my um my youngest uh who's 13 now um but particularly when he was going through a not great period of primary school he would go to school and he would kind of get through the day and everything would be fine and then he'd walk out of school and basically just go kaboom because everything's yeah. just been kept in all day whilst he holds it together and then it just <laughs> got unleashed like a fury yeah, <laughs> and um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. That's what you mean now. I'm 25. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to things getting better then. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you said, that, that thing of holding it in because because you want to fit in and you want you don't want people to go, oh, look, you're different, which is the worst thing when yeah. you're a teenager. Nobody wants to be different. You all want to be like everybody else. Um, Honestly, it was like I would... If you you could pay me a billion pounds and I would not go back to being sixteen. I, I, my mum used to have to drive to school at lunchtime so I could eat my lunch in the car with her. That's how that's how tragic I am. <laughs> it was so like I think back and think oh my god. But yeah, she did she did bring me McDonald's though. 
<laughs> now no, I'm starting to sound that. like a scam. <laughs> yeah. Now, now this is yeah. <laughs> sounds like the motivation very quickly of the game. Yeah. Oh, no, it's good. Like I used to sit in the toilet, and then when my mum found out, she was like, "Alex, that's a bit dirty, isn't it?" <laughs> so then she drove to school and we'll park outside school, and then like she started bringing me mcdonald's because she used to bring me like a microwave lasagna but then she couldn't be bothered to do that anymore so she got me mcdonald's your mum so sounds good. like the best even if she is incinerating whatever you're having for dinner tonight yeah <laughs> probably chicken nuggets again <laughs> can't go wrong with chicken nuggets um looking at your photography obviously you want you said you want the breadth project to be something that grows and expands and you do more yeah. and you want to take it to places like schools and stuff like this yeah what do you do you have an ultimate hope for the project or is it just no i just want this to be an ongoing thing and i want to take it wherever i can um honestly i think if it, if i can get the project to maybe evoke change on a wider scale um obviously i love photography so i i enjoy speaking to other photographers about the project but if I can get this project to actually influence, um, I think kids especially who are going through diagnosis and kids' families, like I, when they said I was autistic, my parents as well were like mourning. I think for maybe the life that they had hoped that I would have, that they maybe thought, well, they definitely thought because of of the media that was available of autistic people, the, the life they were grieving for the life they had hoped for me that I would have. Um, and I, and I was sort of thinking, Oh my God, like that's it. I'm, I'm never going to be, uh, someone I'm never going to, I'm, I'm always going to be lonely and I'm always going to be sad. Um, so to actually have, maybe a book, if it's a book or or some kind of resource where I could look at other autistic people and be like, wow, these people are autistic and they're okay. And they're more than okay, they're happy and they're thriving and they've got a family and they've got a job that they love and they're not a meme. Um, they're not just there to solve the Enigma code or be a meme for people to laugh at. Like they're actually happy and i think just to to have that reassurance and know that if i can make the path less bumpy i guess or maybe even make people not realize it was bumpy in the first place like that that would be like my ultimate goal sounds like a pretty great goal the the stories that that i've been reading uh you know the, uh, the 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 posts that you've made on on your website um, those stories do really bring that out. There's a there's something about the combination of the the very personally written stories and the the, the style of photography that you've chosen. I mean, you you've talked about the style and the why of it in this conversation, which uh, and it really shines through. It, yeah, they they feel the honesty. I think is I think is the word I'm looking for. I'm a bit tired today. I apologise, <laughs> and my words are failing me somewhat. So so, but certainly they 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 do feel like honest photos. They don't feel that there's that, that there's a facade there. Um, it doesn't it doesn't feel um, yeah that that people are being presented. 
I think, I think that's that, the main thing with the project. And that's why I do it on film as well, because you're not looking at the back of a camera and like did with digital, you look at the back of the camera and think, oh, that would be a bit better if your head was like this, or that would be a bit better if mm. you were looking up a bit. And and then you end up perceiving uh, through the back of a camera and you end up no matter how much or how difficult it is not to, you, you do alter for aesthetics and with film, it almost becomes not about the photos. You're just hanging out, you're hearing their story and the camera's just there and it's just going to capture that. But but it's not about the pictures. Yeah, but it, there also must be part, part of your process in a shoot that is... Um, it's got to be partly, at least, very much about the camera. I mean, that's yeah. If you're shooting with an RB67, it's, it's that's, pretty that's, big. There's no hiding now. That's not a stealth camera, is it? And, you know, it, and it makes a blooming great big noise, and it's it's an enormous thing. Um, it's a joyful camera, I'm told. I've never I've never um, used one myself, but I, I I know a lot of people who have, and I have certainly seen them in action. Um, a fantastic beast. Um, uh, but but it's not like you can pretend it's not happening. When no, no. <laughs> I think it's it's also good as well because you have a limited amount of shots. I know from my own experience. I like my mum's the only one trained in this. I can be talking to somebody or like at, at, at an event, and she can see like my eyes glaze over, and she thinks, "Oh God, this." <laughs> let's anyway. We have to go now, <laughs> and and. I think with film, because you've only got the 10 shots, and to be fair, now Analog Wonderland are sponsoring it, I might have a few more than 10, but because you've only got a <laughs> limited, <laughs> yeah, because you've only got a limited number of shots, you say, okay, we've got 10 pictures. And therefore, you, there's like a time limit on that. And people know that you're not just going to be sat here for two hours. People burn out quickly. Hmm. So I think you've got these 10 pictures and I know in my head, I've got those 10 pictures and then that's that. And then we can go because we've had enough of the yeah. socialness for today. It's like, goodbye, I need the rest now. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I could see, definitely see the benefit of that actually. Um, yeah. Something I might practice myself. Yeah. <laughs> goodbye, uh, yeah. Um, Alex, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, obviously photography is the thing that you're making your career um how there are there are inherent difficulties with that because of the things that you have to deal with because a large yeah. part of making a successful career within photography for one thing is really putting yourself out there is networking yeah. and all that stuff um what is it like trying to be a successful creative whilst dealing with these things um, I guess there's like two strands to that. I mean, I, I'm always somebody, I think this is probably an autism thing where I have to do things like if I do something that's not really good, then that's it. Like I'm the worst. I'm going to hell. Like I may as well just not even exist. Like <laughs> I, I always want to do things well. So that's kind of when I told people that I was autistic, I was like, I'm going to tell everyone. Um, so I think I, I find I'm getting better at it because I'm talking about something I care about so much. So I'm not trying. I think the thing is when you stop trying to please other people, you, you're just trying to be honest and you're just trying to be real and you're just trying to be real for other people. 
and you actually stop caring about trends and trying when you stop trying people people come and listen and it's a weird thing because i think on social media so much is fake and that's not always a bad thing like i love a bit of fakery but but i think when people see something honest people are like oh actually i want to hear about this cuz cuz it's real and i think when i'm shouting about something i i really care about and it's not just about me anymore i've got all these people's stories these people that have trusted me with their stories so like sort of through my lungs and through my voice i'm telling all of our stories and i think for me that that that's become like my voice in a sense um i think if i was maybe just taking pictures for aesthetics i'd find that quite difficult i think um but i've also got got better at at sort of networking and stuff because i've stopped trying as much to say the right thing <laughs> and sometimes i say the wrong thing and people don't like it but sometimes sometimes it kind of i mean i do have very high expectations of myself like when i did the radio york thing <laughs> i was expecting like the head of bbc to bring me like Alex, you're the next Stacey Dooley. Come, like, come on now. But then when I listened to it back, I was like, um, like, uh, yeah. Um, so I do have high expectations, but um, I don't know. I just care about it so much, and I'm not going to stop stop caring about it. So I'll keep going. I think there's a real power in that. I mean, you know, maybe maybe for you. I mean, I'm certainly not in a position to to understand the power of it for you. But even for the as a member of your audience now a new member of your audience but i'm pleased to be a member of, uh, of that and you know to to, put, to experience in that way yeah i've got the web page for breath open uh in front of me as we talk and and there's a couple of photos that i keep coming back to uh, uh you know and i can't stop you know scrolling up and down and looking at the photos as we go and trying to try trying to uh to to see you know every and it, see everything that's there the the two people that uh, i keep coming back to the, the very first one definitely is matthew there's a there's oh. a the, there's a photo of matthew on my screen it's it's the the second shot that appears on my screen it's kind of a like torso type shot a three-quarter shot whatever they call that just keep coming back to that and and then one of oliver and his stick oh yeah um yeah the, the, there's it just and i think as as if i can call my i don't know quite what the right word is but uh, but experiencing your project you know as uh, 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 you know the way that i am just now with this there are things that are jumping out to me. Maybe it's some resonance in the words or maybe yeah. it's something in the picture that draws me back. And I think there's a huge power in what you're doing with, you know, um, but by continuing to, to, to grow it because yeah. different things are going to mean, yeah, are going to uh, not attach themselves to they think people resonate to different frequencies, don't they? And to different stories and, and to different images and and things like that and and you know i think the more you can grow this the more you can maybe attract or or or, or hook <laughs> yeah hook more people you know and 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 help tell that story i don't it, it feels like it feels like there's a beginning of something really big here and uh, and 
you know, and that you know, it could impact positively impact a, a huge number of people that's just just fantastic just i hope fantastic. so because because i think it would be nice for people to actually see this and think hang on a minute these people are like me they're not that different to me and i think that's another thing like autistic people we're actually not that different to neurotypical like do you know what i mean if people can really connect with um autistic people and really see that that, that we're not that different there's so much of our personality that um and we're all different from each other but we're not that different to everybody else it's kind of we're different but not uh but yeah but you but you but you are there's a huge diversity in the people that are represented just on this one web page i mean you've got like uh, you've got a dj you've got a a, a radio presenter who's also a, a, a family man and a, and a father you've got you know uh uh, a skate kid you've got you know uh, uh, a fellow that likes his stick you've got you've got, the, you've, got <laughs> you've got all all sorts of stuff going on there um uh, and it, yeah the diversity of that really does shine through um and it you know there's 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 something it sounds almost too simplistic to say it i guess and a bit shallow to say it. i don't mean it in a shallow way but it's like there's something for everybody yeah definitely there's something to something to 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 you know the diversity in it it means that there's something to i said like pretty much i can't think of anybody who who wouldn't stop and think twice about at least one element of the work um, yeah so it's, it's quite funny that you picked up matthew because actually matthew was like the first friend really like that I so when I went to uni we I started early because we were on the like autistic people get to start week early that's perk um and I, Matthew, I think I just did the whole first week of partying actually I don't know that that's a perk but yeah <laughs> so Matthew was like the first person that I ever made friends with and he was actually on my course right. so we started early and then um I don't know like we became he's one of my best ever friends uh so i think the pictures of matthew it's funny that you picked out because i think i'm friends with everyone on the project but matthew's somebody that's like very close to me and i think maybe that comes out maybe in the pictures a little is bit. that why in some of them he looks like he's humoring you yeah <laughs> <laughs> so funny no he did because there's 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 a great collection of them and i mentioned the one that that really caught my eye but as you scroll through them and you've got well, maybe seven or eight on the web page there's somewhere he's like he's clearly yeah he's very relaxed and he's into the yeah, he's, yeah. he's into the process and as you scroll through to the right he suddenly starts to think yeah i think i've had enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely but he's um me mafia yeah he's actually had a big big impact on me sort of accepting myself as well it's i mean that's the thing with autism isn't it it's like on the one hand nobody wants their life to be defined by what a label yeah. but at the same time autism does define your life yeah. i mean it's in the same way that you know it it is who you are it's not a disability it's, it's a difference and yeah. and but it it is those differences that make us all who we are i mean whether i mean neurotypical is such an odd word anyway because yeah i, I have I who don't is know, nobody's neurotypical who's the typical yeah. person what's, what's I, normal yeah, me. The, yeah. i mean i'm normal <laughs> <laughs> sorry for the benefit of the audience listening to the podcast i am now shaking my head yeah. <laughs> but, but, 
<laughs> but that's the thing. The whole the whole concept is baffling. This idea of neurotypical because <laughs> neurotypical is a spectrum, I guess. Just yeah, the same. It's, it's... It it is it baffles me. Uh, and um, I, I may have mentioned it on the podcast, but I, I recently uh, I recently got a new job. Joined joined a new company, and uh, they take diversity. Um, really to heart I was going to say very seriously but it's that that's completely the wrong thing it's not like that yeah it's not like everybody has to to appreciate the diversity it's it's it, it's taken very much to heart and I haven't had a, an actual job in a very long time so joining a company is a, is a strange experience for me but I, and I'm it's been a really positive one in the sense that the, the company culture has uh, a yeah it, it recognizes uh many people who who might carry the label of different in in one shape way shape or form whether that is uh whether it's gender uh or or, uh, or other things uh, yeah other cultural things people way people want to be to uh, be accepted as themselves and the way that they are um, and they're just about to launch um, a new special interest group um, and it's not just uh, and it's all about neurodiversity and and they're definitely not using the word neurotypical. They're celebrating neural diversity. And and uh, these things are o- open to to everybody, you know, uh, regardless of of what the the community is. They they start these online communities to make sure that employees can connect with each other and and make sure that they're you know that they can be themselves and then express themselves. Um, and everybody who who may be not part of that community um, is encouraged to to in in terms of. Sorry, I'm getting my words really twisted up. Let's let's use a specific example, right? There is a there is a community for uh, for LGBTQ, uh, uh, and everybody who is who, who wouldn't assign themselves uh, in in any of those categories is encouraged to join these online communities, participate in the conversation, and learn what it means to be an ally. Yeah, an ally is a is a big word. I I'm learning because, like I say, I haven't had a job in not a, a job as an employee for seven or eight years and certainly the business world has changed a lot in that time yeah. and has become much more open i'm glad to say um and you know to be and and provide uh provide education for for anybody on how to be an ally to 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 people who might be neurodiverse or gender diverse or, or whatever it might be i've still got a lot of vocab to learn so yeah <laughs> me I, too I, to be fair i have all, all the all the words i know what i'm trying to say but i have no idea what are the acceptable words to say at any one time but mm-hmm. uh, so but um it's it's a fantastic thing to see um and uh you know thinking about you know some of these people who stories who yeah people who, who are talking about their work and things like that and maybe what you've said yourself alex about you know um you know about your your work and being able to to whether or not you should share your, your autism with uh the you know, job applications and things like that um i i just i don't know i just sharing i guess i just wanted to say i've had a yeah a positive experience in that sense joining this new company but uh, to be the, fair like all the comp so i've been to job interviews uh one for a company that i particularly like um i'm probably not allowed to say the name um <laughs> <laughs> but they've been like they've probably championed the fact I'm autistic. They were in a way I didn't expect. So the world is changing and people mm-hmm. are now seeing the strength in diversity. Because if you can get different types of brain all working together, there's nothing stronger than that 
absolutely uh yeah different types of brain different cultures and we celebrate a lot of different cultures in our organization as well and recognize that you know, cultures different cultures will spawn different ideas and different ways of solving problems i happen to work for an it type company um uh, and so you know it's very much you know different cultures is, is we're encouraged to build project teams that are very diverse so that we can get access to that range of, of ideas and range of experience that people have i just tell you, one thing it's just triggered a, a, just a, a, another specific memory about this um a, a colleague i say colleague colleague in the sense that we work for the same company not somebody that i know but she did a uh a, 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 an online meeting presentation thing for what she called what she called her user manual and the way that she uh chose to communicate her autism uh to the uh to, to the community at large was she wrote like a, a one a one page user manual for her that described some of the behaviors you might see if you happen to be working with her and how you might wish to react um and it, it wasn't it wasn't quite sort of don't don't say this because I, I i might struggle to deal with it it was more about you know if i'm you know the, you might see these you might experience me with these kinds of behaviors and this is what it really means uh, yeah. yeah and so so if i am a, yeah and, and i'm simplifying but if i am a bit abrupt that doesn't mean that i'm upset you know and that's uh, me every day i'm always <laughs> abrupt <laughs> There's a strength in that. I go to. I spend a lot of my time in meetings that don't go anywhere or achieve anything. Being abrupt could be quite refreshing, to be honest. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm probably rambling, but I'm just thinking, yeah. you've not even got any whiskey. Probably today. rambling. <laughs> Definitely rambling. Um, Graham, take over. Say something sensible. No, I, I'm just wondering, Alex. Obviously, you do the stuff for your project and for your work. How do you engage with photography in your downtime, or do you engage with photography in your downtime? So I feel like I need to get better at this. Um, so I kind of push all of my energy into this project because it's so important to me. But um, I'm mentored by a guy called Ed at Hopewell Studios. So the guy that I actually went for the course with took me on as like a trained person to mentor. And he's like really, really... Um, skilled at sort of traditional processing and uh things like that um so he's teaching me at the moment large format um and um printing well i'm actually not very good at printing because i'm not a very patient person um but i think my problem is is that i'm not good at anything without a why and i'm not good at aesthetics without a why which is why I've always taken pictures of my grandparents or people I love because I don't know whether I'm apathetic or just not very creative, but I can't do something without a reason to do it. Um, and I can't create without a reason to create. So I, I struggle with just doing a beautiful photo shoot. Um, I, I could do it and I have, I have done some photo shoots that are creative, but I don't, love it and i think in the pictures i think you can see um that there's a bit of a disconnect there um if it's just for no reason <laughs> um so i do struggle with that actually like to just create because i want to create because i think why why am i creating this and if there's a reason if it's to promote a product or to do i can do it but if it's just for for no aesthetics for without a wise is something that i struggle with really I definitely should do dark, dark room stuff. 
if you can find a way of making it work quickly. I've got I've got this great like process thing. You just stick stuff in. It's great. It's way faster. But the dark room is such a great sanctuary from the yes. rest of the world. <laughs> it's perfect. It's like I'm just going to return to the womb. It's it's warm and it's dark and it's just you can put some music on and just the rest of the world can go to hell and it's just the best. Um, and then if you just like. Start doing some black and white pictures whenever yeah. you're doing your shoots. Then you have the why because you can start making these beautiful prints of your subjects. And Definitely. Like my other grandparents, the ones that are not dead, they came and visited like a lot before COVID, but they're probably going to come start visiting again. And I take a lot of portraits of them. Um, and I, did, I took my granddad into the dark room again the alive one and we <laughs> i'm so glad you're clarifying because i had this horrific <laughs> mental image for a second there um, granddad's cadaver in yeah, the it, it wasn't good so, <laughs> it's like mm, yeah so i took my alive granddad into the dark room and like ed and my granddad are really methodical really like logical people and they'll you know when you have to get the like exposure and you do it a bit and then you test strip and you do it a bit more like 15 seconds 30 seconds 45 i just get out a big paper and think mm, 25 seconds and do it and then think that's rubbish throw it in the bin <laughs> another big paper out 35 so i end up going through like a box of like ilford papers and i'm like oh dear that cost quite a lot of money to print one not very good picture so i don't do any of the testing my granddad or ed will be like you need to test and i think no that's not I gotta just feel the exposure in, in the air. Like I feel it in the air. Like, oh, this feels like a thirty second air. Uh, yeah, thirty seconds. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, now you're being sponsored by Analog Wonderland. You just need to start burning through. Yeah, stuff. yeah. That's oh, Paul's problem film. now. That's Paul's problem now. It's like your 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 creative process is what he's got behind. Exactly. So, Paul, if you're listening, you know, it's like send paper fast. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I definitely, you definitely need to pro adopt that approach with large format as well. Because large format photography and darkroom printing are, are two areas where people are like, you need to be quite methodical, do it. It's like, no, yeah. no, just guess. Guessing is great. she goes crazy. Like, I'll be there and he'll be like, you need to do this. You need to have it. Mm, that'd be fine. And he's there like, <laughs> so, <laughs> Sometimes it works though. Yeah. That's it. Real life. Wing it. And I'm not so far. My dad will die if he hears this. But like, my dad's always there, like, oh, because whenever I do anything, there's no like logic to it or anything. I just think, ah, I'm feeling it. I get a feeling in my heart. So I just think, ah, I'll, I'll do that. And my dad, like, like driving somewhere, like, skid around the corner or something. Like, I felt in my heart to turn around. <laughs> it's like, I just, yeah, same with everything. <laughs> I'll be honest. the The idea of freestyling your driving does feel to me <laughs> slightly more dread than the idea of freestyling your printing. <laughs> you've got a plan. You've got to think. You've got. You've got a divine plan. You have to just <laughs> when you feel it. <laughs> yeah, just even go with for like it, right? yeah, even with like printing in the dark room, you just got to hold hold your negative in your hand, and, and it will just and you just think in your head, oh, I'm feeling forty seconds, <laughs> and then go for the big. Get, go for an A1 print. <laughs> the biggest thing you yeah. can get, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, did you did you see the Pinster camera when you were at the photography show? Did, no, uh, I was too anxious. Uh, right, because I was just wondering whether that, that might be, because that, that, apart from just being a quite 
interesting new product um where the same box you can you can take the photo and develop it in the in the box without taking it out of the what camera the heck, that's just so the cool. fact that you could just have these big syringes you can inject developer oh. into the camera um i just sort of like uh that, that there's definitely a, a room for a, some creative decision making in there i think exactly <laughs> it's best <laughs> so for people i mean I oh, don't think we've actually mentioned what the name of your website is. We'll make sure it's all in the show. Where should people be going, Alex, to see all the stuff that you've done so far? Um, so I always say Instagram doesn't mean anything. Instagram like, <laughs> is so vapid. It's You're never going to... Anyway, follow me, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> please, <It's... laughs> please follow Alex on Instagram. Yeah, These numbers it's... matter, people. Yeah. <laughs> numbers won't matter, but please follow me on Like Instagram. and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my Instagram is her dot on dot shoots, and it's actually heron shoots. People think it's her on shoots, but it's actually heron shoots. But it's her dot on dot shoots, and then my website is Alexandra Heron dot uk, <laughs> and then forward slash Brett. But just go on alexandraheron.co.uk and then click on the thing on the website. That your, your Instagram, your Instagram avatar is that a picture of you and ranking? It is. He's a fan. <laughs> you better make ranking, yeah. Yeah, he's a fan. As oh, well, he well, should be. Good good fan to have. Yeah, absolutely, as well. He should pick up That something. was literally so nerve-wracking, you know. Like, I was like, oh, God, that's ranking. And then I spoke to him, and he was like, oh, I'm going to email you. So... That was pretty cool. cool. That's, that's, really, that's really cool. I have to say that when it comes to... So, Roger Rankin. There's definitely, there's, there's, definitely a, uh, there's definitely a sort of stereotype switch there because yeah, he, he's the one that's got the, yeah, the, the, that's got the pout on that you'd find from like a selfie taken on a phone. You know? yeah. like in that photo, he's got this sort of big, big pouty lips. But they... He was actually so nice, you know. Like he was literally, he, he was literally so nice. Cool. I'm I'm waiting for the email from him yeah. because I think because he said I'm going to email you and I know that email is going to say Alex I want you to come and take over ranking agency and I want you to be the new CEO of Hunger Magazine. So Hunger's good. I like Hunger. I I I um I, I rarely get print magazines, but I am subscribed to. They they have an email that they send you like once a week or something like that. And some of the imagery that comes out on that, and then you go sort of click and follow and read yeah. the article and stuff. Like that. Some of the imagery is is just awesome. That's another. I tell you what, they are also a group that celebrates diversity. I'm anxious because I'm so scared of rejection. I have like a, a I have a, an inner fear of rejection. I need to go over. But I do need. I think to. everybody has that. I don't. Yeah. Like, I hate to tell you this, but that's just, that's not just you. That's like everybody. God, I just feel like if they said no, like because do you know, like Rankin's like one of my heroes. So I feel like if they said no, I'd think, oh, okay, I'm just going to go and back in my hole <laughs> and never come back out. Like that would hurt my feelings. Yeah, ask somebody better. <laughs> do you hear that hunger magazine you'll hurt my feelings take the hint hunger magazine yeah, they, do. Oh, they do listen actually all of them uh, yeah. I, uh, regular, regularly send us in emails which we just refuse to read on the email yeah. shows so you know except, except uh, Alex uh, as CEO yeah. right that's what we're saying they yeah, need to do, not just take you not just accept you but as CEO you don't just want your yeah. work shared you want to be running the place yeah like change the name 
the it worked for jay-z didn't it like he just bought def jam records one day for so uh, where he got the money from i have no idea but he just became like chief exec of def jam records. i feel like though sometimes you have to have money to to get money <laughs> yes that's true i'm still working on that though like i'm gonna be i'm i'm gonna do some invention and i'm gonna be rich that sounds good any idea what it's gonna be or just something real cool? um so i was gonna obviously like then i feel I realise that you have to be rich to make an invention, but my invention is, I, so do you want, but this has been ruined by Bojo, but basically, do you know when you want to get fuel in your car, you would go on like Uber Eats or Deliveroo, but it would be called like Fueleroo, <laughs> and you would go on it and you would say that you want fuel in your car. So I would drive to your house in my van that's got fuel in it and put it in your car. And then you could like set up a standing order, like direct debit, whereas every Friday I would come and fill up your car. Yeah, I mean... But then that... Bojo ruined it by saying that we can't sell fuel cars after 2030. Uh, but people will still need electricity, though, to, to charge their cars. I think that's a great yeah. idea. It's like basically like a milkman, but for, for petrol. But for cars. I'll come and do it in the night. That's so then like, when you wake up, you've got a full tank of fuel. Oh, man. Because I actually... I actually... Do you know what I do? I... Um, drive my car until it's run out of fuel and then I ring my mum and dad to say I've broken down, can you bring me some fuel? <laughs> I bet they love that. I think you yeah, might be so, the greatest person ever, Alex. Do you know, I'm not going to lie. Once I, had a, once I was being really badly behaved, when I was like eight, 17 or 18 and um, I did have a job but I accidentally spent all, all of my money, so I said to my mum, I need to uh, I want to go and watch like a because I, I have two horses um, and that's not to make me sound like Tory. <laughs> I have two horses in the in the like in the kind of farmer sense, not in the kind of like. Oh, they're shire Tory horses. Sense. So you you plough fields with them, right? No, I do jumps, but I'm more like. Do you know the kind of but like you you have a hat and a piece of straw in your mouth, so more yeah. like a farm. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so more in the kind of like farmer sense, not the Tory sense. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I went to go and watch my friend who was jumping her horse, and I said, "Oh, I've run out of fuel, Mum. Can I borrow?" 10 to 15 to 20 pounds for some fuel in my car and she said no because you shouldn't have spent all of your job money on things instead of your fuel fuel so i said okay so i drove to my friend watched watched her and then drove back and broke down on the side of the road i rang my mum i broke down can you now bring me the fuel <laughs> so then she had to go to the petrol station and then bring it to me. I was in Leeds. So I've done that only maybe. You were in Leeds. Yeah. So, and, it, it, and my mum like came with her Crocs. She has like pink Crocs and like the jerry can. And like, this was before Crocs were cool. So it's quite embarrassing. <laughs> where, where, when was that five minute moment when Crocs were cool? Because I missed that completely. They are. Have oh, you yeah, not, yeah. Do you not watch Love Island? <laughs> Uh, no, this face. Does this look like a face that watches Love Island? No, no but yeah, I, Graham, I know I could see your face yeah, there where Alex was telling the story that you totally do get the conflict between like the landed gentry and the farmer because that's the world you live in, isn't it? I mean, you, you, you live in Oxfordshire, which is which has both in spades, yeah, yeah. And I would do, I would say that around here, the farmer and the landed gentry and the Tories, they're all the same people, they are yeah, exactly, all, absolutely. <laughs> so you totally get the conflict. I feel like <laughs> when people meet me because. They, I tend not to mention the horses because basically, you have to remember, I had no friends. So my parents bought me the horses as a substitute for friends. So that's what, like, 
the horses have always been like my best friends and was like my thing that's like kept me sane but I always have to clarify it's not in the Tory kind of horse riding it's your, in, your, your horses don't vote Tory you're not they riding, don't. you're not riding side saddle everywhere no I do I do do jumping I'm going to admit it but do you but, jump over peasants no <laughs> that's a kind of a Tory thing it is a Tory kind of thing but I don't like I don't go on the hunts okay guys I don't do any of yeah. that I the, the jumping okay I do it but I am absolutely in a farmer sense we not in a Tory sense people will always think I'm Tory because for a northern person Yes, I live in Harrogate, and yes, do I have two horses? That doesn't mean I'm a Tory. <laughs> you're, you're jumping over uh, abandoned cars, and, yeah, um, <laughs> and and it's homeless like people, etc. <laughs> but it's in a, a farmer sense, uh-huh. definitely. Uh-huh. In the far, not so. Is your family farmers? Yeah. No. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. But it's still in a farmer sense because, like, uh-huh. they. The horses live on a farm. No, no. So, do, do you know what? I, I, I'm going to back you up on this one, Rob, because just because because I like to take the opposite point of view to Graham. So that's one reason for backing you up. But also because a long time ago, I used to be quite into cars, and 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 that is something. Cars are something that you think of maybe you know is is a rich man's playground, and certainly there were plenty of people there who, who were millionaires and what have you. Um, but there were also, you know, a whole bunch of people who'd like built their own cars and, and stuff like that. So yeah, it was a, actually the whole car racing scene is, is in some ways quite a leveler, right? It, it, it attracts all sorts rather. Yeah. And it's a, a quite, quite um, uh, di- diplomatic is not the right word, um, but it, it's uh, it's it's quite a uh, uh, a mix, a quite a diverse mix of people. So horses I can appreciate horses might be the same. Like horses you either get you do get the proper toffs, like, really. And then, like, I'm, I, people would assume I'm a toff, but I'm actually not. And, like, my horses are naughty. And, <laughs> and, and, like, to be fair, so basically my, because I didn't have, like, any friends at all. So horses had always been the thing that really like kept me like a routine it's this thing I did with my mum um and we still do it every so every day we're with the horses twice a day and it's always been like my safe space and to be fair my parents just like I mean wouldn't buy carpet and stuff <laughs> so like we would have like horrible carpet or like that like they'd you say wouldn't car. buy carpets. I'm going to guess they probably couldn't afford to buy carpets because That's they were spending I mean. all their money on your horses. We do and have your carpets, <laughs> but I mean not new carpets. No. Well, what's the point? Your mum's always burning food and saying fire. I know to them. exactly. It's a waste of money. Yeah. So <laughs> you're me doing them a favour. Yeah. Exactly. Me and my sister do the horses. Well, my sister doesn't like the rain, so she does them in summer. But me and my mum do them all year. <laughs> to be fair, I. I actually went a long, long time ago. I went to college and studied horses, and I can confirm what that the heck? Really? Not, not all horse people are Tory assholes. No, we're rough. Uh, quite, we're rough. Quite a lot of them are we're assholes. so rough. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, really? why, why have you got that blue rose on? I don't understand you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, this is for the benefit of the podcast. There is a portrait of Maggie Thatcher in the background. <laughs> there is not. <laughs> Literally, my dad, my dad's, my dad is going to be so mad if because my dad actually, if you mention that name, he has a, like an aneurysm. No, I apologise. <laughs> it wasn't it certainly wasn't my intent. I was just trying to make a cheap joke. <laughs> There is not. I feel like I'm being defamed. No, okay, there is not. Okay, all right. I just made that last bit up. Oh, funny. <laughs> we we should probably start to wrap this up, I suspect, before this gets even more insane. Um, we've mentioned where people can go, Alex, to go and see your fantastic work, Brett. Uh, where can people go to go and see your non-Tory voting horses? Do you have any pictures of those on your Instagram? No, I no. Maybe I do like one. I actually have a separate Instagram for my horses called <laughs> Heron Horses. Heron Horses. <laughs> what are your horses called? Okay, so the white one, which I got when I, for, I this is going to make me sound like a Tory again, but <laughs> just allow it. Okay, just allow it. I got it for Christmas when I, uh-huh. when I was a kid. So I got her for Christmas. She, she's white, and then I got my black course that i jump on as a present <laughs> for graduating university so yeah i got her like four years ago but okay just it i didn't ask for it she just they just came mm, but yeah. mm, i'll bet yeah i'll bet you didn't ask for it. i bet it was but a completely unprompted gift i would imagine i did slightly hint that i, I want her and yes I okay, so I have a, a um, Tory talk, but a uh, red heart. <laughs> you still haven't told us what the names of these bloody horses. Did I not tell you? No, what they're called? No. I know there's one white and one's black. Oh, the white one's called. Okay, I, this <laughs> is actually Cameron. really funny. <laughs> <laughs> the white one. This is actually a true story. When I got her, guess what her name was? Bint. <laughs> so really, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she was called Bint. So when I went to get her, I was going down the field. Bint. So uh, they changed it to Mint. So I changed it to Mint. Then... I'm going to say Mint for a minute. <laughs> mint. And then the white, the black one's called Illusion. So I changed it to Lou. Uh, okay. Oh god, they're so cute. You need to put. Cool. You definitely need to put pictures up on your uh, Instagram this week so people can find them. I actually have a. I actually have a highlight on my Instagram though. What's his highlight? Okay, <laughs> point of checking that out. Aid, I'm going to leave you to wrap this up. <laughs> uh, well, I yeah, you know, it's uh, it's going to be you know, and, and anything I could possibly do to try and wrap up the show is going to be a bit of a uh, a bit of a step down from the conversation we just had, but. Uh, just look, Alex, it's been an honour to meet you um, and and talk to you uh, about horses and about photography. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope we get to talk again and I will be following the the, the uh, progress uh, with Breadth as a project um, uh, and I wish you all the best with it. Um, right, well, there we go. Uh, we have been the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, sorry, no, I've forgotten how to end the show now. How did you Ah yes, so no, we have been. <laughs> That's how I do it. <laughs> That's how I do it. <laughs> well, we could practice. We could practice our abruptness, maybe. Yeah. 
we've got to we've got to give credit where credit's due and we'll play you out now with rachel's band rocker uh, and they deserve some credit because uh they, they very kindly let us use their music all the time and have done for years uh which is amazing of them uh so you can get their album promises i should have kept uh on all good platforms on the internet that carry music and uh and, and probably some dodgy bit torrent type ones as well you know because they're that good that people will have torrented them i'm sure by now so uh yeah and on that note yes alex thanks again graham thank you too uh and we will see you next week goodbye bye bye <laughs>